0: The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries.
1: everybody, and welcome to episode 36 of the Dan Scott Show. I am Dan. Good to have you with us. As always, we are presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Hope you've had a great week. We'll try not to do anything to mess it up if you have. Maybe provide you a little bit of an inspirational lift if you need one. Have a little fun along the way, and um, maybe learn something we did not know by the time... It's all said and done. we got a good show for you today. We're going to spend some time talking with the pastor of a church that I had the privilege of speaking at just a couple of weeks ago up in Wise, Virginia. And God just laid it on my heart uh, as we go through these next few weeks. We're going to do this uh, at least a couple of times. There's so much out there today in, in the Christian press as well as in the secular press, about churches dying and Christianity waning. And I think it's important to point out churches that are thriving and get into the formula of why they're thriving. And that's what we're going to do today when we talk to Wayne Hager, who is the pastor of Zion Family Ministries in Wise, Virginia. I'll set up more about that when we get ready to get into the interview in the next segment, but uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for this. And I've got uh, another pastor or two that we're going to get into with this over the course of the next few weeks. And just going to start trying to highlight this as we can, because while it's true that there are churches out there that are dying, unfortunately. There are churches that are thriving, and here's the important thing. There are churches that are thriving in the right way. There are churches out there that are doing well, and they're doing it in a very, we'll say, secular way. But there are churches out there that are thriving doing it God's way, and Zion Family Ministries is one of those. We're going to talk about that when we come back and uh, get into our interview with Wayne Hager. First, though, as always, I want you to hear something about Grand Slam Ministries.
2: Is there someone in your life who has been a spiritual mentor? An influence so great that you'd love to find a way to honor them? For a gift of $200 or more to Grand Slam Ministries, you can dedicate a segment of the Dan Scott Show to that very special person. Honor someone who is currently in your life or remember the legacy of a loved one who has passed. Make your gift online at GrandSlamMinistries.org and we will send you an information form which will allow you to tell us all about this special person, how and why they were a spiritual influence, their favorite Bible verses, and anything else that you would like to share. In doing so, You'll be covering our cost of one week's production, helping ensure The Dan Scott Show stays on air and continues to share stories of loved ones like yours. In addition, you'll get your own copy of the program in which your loved one's story airs, either by MP3 or CD. Help the legacy of your spiritual mentor reach others with your gift of $200 or more today. Do so online at GrandSlamMinistries.org. That's GrandSlamMinistries.org.
0: Follow us on social media. Search Grand Slam Ministries on Facebook and Grand Slam for God on Twitter. And don't forget Dan's personal and public figure sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to The Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. (laughs)
1: Episode 36 of The Dan Scott Show continues. You should have stayed tuned after our interview with Wayne Hager in our final segment. I'll give you a quick update on what we talked about last week with our flagship station, 94.5 FM, The Answer, in Greenville, South Carolina, being sold and what that means for us. And uh, also perhaps a little incentive, very little, for you to uh, help us out. But uh, we are on 13 affiliates. God has really blessed us, and as I said last week, he's got this. We we know that um, this is all part of his plan, and uh, we'll talk more about that in the next segment. But I want to jump right into this interview with Wayne Hager. He is the uh, pastor of Zion Family Ministries in Wise, Virginia. I spoke to their men's ministry A couple of weeks ago at a prayer breakfast that was put together by uh, my former high school classmate Steve Childers and uh, it was just a marvelous time we had such a, a great great time of fellowship and the more I talked to Wayne the more the Holy Spirit just seemed to said there's a story here that needs to be told and it's a story about a church that literally started in a bar and has grown into this beacon in an economically depressed area of Southwest Virginia. And you're going to hear the story, and you're going to hear a lot of talk about money and resources and finances here. And the amazing thing about it, if you listen, you're going to hear about a church that was focused on everything but that and how God blessed it and what he is doing through that church in that community. We start as we normally do with Wayne telling us a bit about who he is and where the church is and what they're doing
0: right now. We're in the southwest tip of Virginia. You 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 don't go anywhere to get here, and you don't go anywhere from here. (laughs) No, we're set on Highway 23, not far from Kingsport, Tennessee, or Bristol. And um, we have a church here called Zion Family Ministries, and uh, we're just trying to serve the Lord, serve our community, and. And uh, just you know, like a typical church, sort of. I mean, some churches don't do the things we do, but um, we are just uh, loving people and trying to bless them.
1: Right, we're gonna Lord. we're gonna tell the the story. Let you tell the story of, of not only what the church is doing, but how it came into being, which in and of itself is is just a, an incredible story. But the the way you and I got hooked up is through my lifelong friend and of course a member of your congregation and and, uh, a chief member of your men's ministry there, Steve Childers. Uh, Should we swap Steve Childers' stories or or should we just move on?
0: (laughs) I don't have a ton. You probably have way more than I do, I'm guessing.
1: (laughs) But Steve actually had me come up and and speak at the uh, men's prayer breakfast uh, at your church just a couple of weeks back. Um, was a yeah, was tr- tr- tremendous blessing. That's where you and I met. Uh, the men of your church were were um, just wonderful to to meet and interact with. And and that's where I got to learn a bit about your story and and the story of how Zion Family Ministries came into being. And as you and I were talking before we started recording, in a an era where so many stories about churches right now, unfortunately, are either bad things happening in the church or churches dying, people walking away from the faith. There aren't enough stories out there about churches that are thriving and thriving for the right reasons, and I want to start highlighting some of those, and God has certainly blessed what Zion Family Ministries is doing right now.
0: Amen, and I know what you're saying is true. You know, uh, the 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 last generation didn't necessarily put the seeds out for the next generation. Maybe they were too conservative, too critical about youth ministry, or um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why churches die, and a lot around here are dying. They, they've they've gone down to ten or fifteen members, you know, and they, and they. And I think part of it is maybe because they really never had a passion for the world, evangelism, and uh, you know, benevolent ministry, and those kind of things. So they just kind of became a closed a closed group of people. And it's just me and you and us, and we just have a great time together. Uh, but you don't see growth that way, of course. you got to reach out to people.
1: I've heard it described as clannish, not, yep. not Ku Klux clannish, but but keeping everything inside your own family and being <clears throat> being too comfortable there and not being willing to really look outside the four walls of the church. And, yeah, you may do— certain things inside your own community to a certain degree, because, quote, that's the way we've always done things. But to to really open up and take the gospel and share it the way that Christ told us to um, requires a little bit of work and requires mm-hmm. uh, a, a little bit more of—and this is a dangerous— phrase for me to use, especially in this day and age, but you know where I'm going when I say this requires more of an open mind.
0: I know what you mean. I mean, you know, around here, uh, there's a like a an overbalance, that's not the word, but but over an abundance of family churches. They're even named after families. And the only people who ever went there were on the boards, they were just all family members, which that's, I'm not criticizing that. Obviously they came together as families worshiped and worshiped, and dad was the pastor. Then he became granddad. That, that son became the pastor. Then he became granddad and sort of kept it in the family. And so some of those didn't thrive. They, they haven't thrived, and and they're very small. And we do, we have to really be, when you say open mind, I would perceive it to mean open to the Holy Spirit, open to the voice of God, open to ministry, open to doing the things that God calls us to do. Because a lot of things that God calls us to do sometimes are uncomfortable, they're not fun, they're hard work. And Let's be straight about it. We don't want to do them because we're human and we're lazy or we're uh, not as, as passionate about ministries as we should be, right? Or you you
1: have all, always sung hymns and you don't want to go to a place or you don't want your music director to sing contemporary music or you've always had pews and you don't want chairs or we've always yeah. had blue carpet. Why would we want red carpet? I mean, yeah. it, it's amazing what causes issues in churches, things that have nothing to do with the spreading of the gospel.
0: You know, I heard a saying one time that I really liked and I sort of clung to it. It said the only thing that really resists a wave coming into the beach is the wave that came in before it. Mm -hmm. It's called undertow. And so in churches, especially these traditional churches that are sort of established, not to be critical, but they get set in their ways and this is how we do it. And so somebody else says, well, you know, we can do it different. And then there develops that undertow. And then a lot of times those people who are really should take the helm and the next level, they go somewhere else. And uh, I have a lady who comes to our church who I love dearly, by the way, who just presses me all the time about singing hymns, and we do. We, we we blend them in our worship, but you know, people are remembering what used to be, and it was good when it was, but that's not the place we're in now. And so we have to really be ready, not to compromise theology. That's that's a huge mistake, but to uh, you know means how, how you how, what the, the level of music, the kind of music, those things are not really. Biblically, I I always tell people if I were to listen to worship in the New Testament, I don't think it would have sounded like hymns. It would have had a very Middle Eastern sound, and the instruments would have been kind of hokey, and it wouldn't have sounded anything like what we've done for the last 50 years, right? I mean,
1: or if you even go back to the Old Testament, how much dancing do you do in your church like they used to do back then, right? I mean, mean, so, so so there, there are a lot of ways and directions you could, you could go there and and we're kind of drifting off of where I want to go, but I'll tell you this quick, this quick joke. And I've used this in speaking engagements before or in our Sunday school class, but it's the, the, the story about the guy who was shipwrecked on an Island and he was there for 10 years before he was finally rescued. And when the, the guys got off the boat there, after he was able to to signal him and flag him down, and they noticed that he had three huts, and they asked him, "What are they?" He said, "Well, the the middle one is where I live, and the one on the right's where I go to church." And they said, "What about the one on the left?" He said, "Oh, that's where I used to go to church." <laughs> so, he couldn't even get along with himself, so there, there's a, there's a deeper point to that, that silly sense of humor there. But again, I Certainly, digress. The life
0: of this church, you know, we're talking about, the, I have really encountered a lot of those kind of, when my dad left this church, you talking about my dad establishing this church. Uh, one guy, for example, just never came back again. He never walked, never came back in the door. And so I saw him at Walmart and said, Hey man, we miss you so bad. He started crying in Walmart and said, uh, I just can't go back in the building without your dad being there. You know, sometimes people just are not good with change and, and they want to run things their way, I I understand how it works. I definitely have had my share of experiences and church splits and stuff.
1: (laughs) Stuff, yeah, that's a good word. Wayne Hager is uh, joining us. He is the pastor of Zion Family Ministries in Wise, Virginia. Um, Before we even get into the church, uh, tell me a little bit about your path to faith in Christ. You've already mentioned that your dad uh, was a preacher and pastor, the one who founded the church that you're now pastoring. But what about your personal faith journey?
0: Well, my dad was a pastor for 65 years. Uh, pastor probably 22, three, four churches. I can't. Remember, I lost count. And being raised up as a preacher's kid, the obvious. You know how people always used to say they just think it now. I don't think they say it. Preacher's kids are the worst kind. And it turned out that I tried to fulfill that on my own, and was fairly successful.
1: You and me both, brother. <laughs>
0: When I gave my life to Christ. I really came back to the cross uh, in uh, 1979 and immediately God just started opening doors for ministry. So years of youth ministry and worship and concert and all kind of different things like that, radio. And then uh, when we we got into an abusive pastoral situation on staff in South Carolina, down in Columbia, and just it wrecked our lives. We We came back broken, moved into my parents' home. It was not where you wanted to be. And really difficult, and uh, God began to reestablish our life. We started traveling, doing worship ministry, youth ministry, and then the missions doors opened miraculously. It was really a miracle. And so, in, you know, now I've been to Russia like twenty-three times, I think it is, and Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Africa, and then in the middle of all that goings on and the changes God were making, my uh, my dad God was making. God, my dad resigned the church. He said he was done and. And uh, I told you this earlier. The the board came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to be pastor?" And I said, "Absolutely not." <clears throat> I see my dad in ministry all these years. I don't want to do that. But I had to pray about it. So when I did, the Holy Spirit said, "No, you got that wrong. We're going to do this." I'm like, "Well, since you're in charge, I guess we are." I don't want to be on my own path. And so, um, and so in 1995, uh, I assumed the leadership of this church and been right here camping out ever since.
2: Well,
1: and and how. You even got to 1995 is one of the more remarkable portions of a remarkable life story of of Zion Family Ministries, a story that continues to build. But let's go back to the beginning. Um, I have been in a lot of bars, unfortunately, in in my life. I have never gone to church (laughs) in a bar room. But the, the humble origins of Zion Family Ministries actually started in a bar yeah. room correct
0: For sure yeah, absolutely people used to make jokes uh, and this is funny because our current building was a low so people would say you know when i went to the old church uh, i used to go in there and come out of there go come out of there drunk and now i'll come out filled with the spirit they'd say <laughs> and then they would come in this church and say well you know i used to go in there and buy lumber and now i'll come out building the kingdom you know cheesy things but pretty funny stuff yeah, it was pretty, it was a wreck. The building was a wreck and uh, it was all they could find. They couldn't find anything else. They felt like the Holy Spirit led them to Wise to start a, a work. And there was really nothing like what they wanted to do here, mostly traditional, Free Will Baptist or Southern Baptist or some free Pentecostal things going on. And so they just, God led them here. And uh, and, and they they started in that building. I came in sort of in the middle of the reconstruction and bro, it was, it was a mess. The building was a mess and I had to do new floors and all kinds of things. So... You know, all in all, we had maybe two kids' classrooms, an office, uh, sort of a tiny fellowship hall. We could seat about two hundred, if you didn't mind sitting right on top of somebody. Uh, and man, the Holy Spirit just moved. People started getting saved. I sort of came in the middle of that, and just we saw a great revival. And and people, you know, a lot of people were were hurting from not really having a church home they wanted to be in. And then we immediately started doing uh, outreaches to children's ministry and have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people show up at this little church and. Um, and then we got our eyes on this Lowe's building if you want me to go that far ahead uh, in uh, 1990- well, I a mean, let'
1: let's, let's let's backtrack just for a second because you're, you're skipping over a good part of the story that I want right. to make sure we get to when, when I say you you met in a bar you actually would come in on Sunday mornings and you're sweeping up broken beer bottles and stuff like that to have a church service
0: right? Not exactly the, the bar was not there they, they had gone
1: okay it's, it was
0: already gone. We, we they they bought the building. Okay, uh, and they, we cleaned the bar out. If you got me, so okay. So you swept cleaning. it out once. <laughs> no, I think it took quite a while. <laughs> the ceiling was painted black, so I think my brother said it took forty two gallons of paint to cover the black. Wow, <laughs> trying to get a little light in the room, you know. And uh, it was it, it had a very bad reputation in the community. So certainly, it had a name for itself.
1: So so did that at the beginning anyway. Make it a challenge to get people to come?
0: I think so. I think people thought it was weird. Uh, Sure. I mean, just like the building we're in now, I had people criticize me. People, you know, you don't need to go, what kind of church goes in? We need to hear all those kind of things because people are traditional. You got to build a building, got to have a steeple. Yeah, I I, I can't tell you how many times I've been criticized because we don't have a steeple on our building, which I'm trying to find the scriptural reference, but I'm not, if you can help me with
1: that. Well, you, you know, wayne i'm just thinking out loud here if it was a lowe's there's probably some lumber around somewhere you could build one
0: (laughs) no we got this building bro it was trashed and empty um
1: how long was it between the original building and and before the lowe's building got on your radar and what precipitated you looking for a new facility I'm, i'm guessing it was just growth right
0: yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. And so we, two years before my dad left, we started targeting this building. It had been empty for years, excuse me, and several uh, companies had looked at it and backed away. So we actually took our board and took a trip down to uh, North Carolina where their headquarters are. We talked to them and they wanted like a, a million one for this property. And that was just not in the, that was not in the radar. There was no possibility. So we went back home kind of with our tail between our legs, you know, just saying, Lord, we felt like this is where you were leading us. And we, thought about other things. And then within two years, <clears throat> I don't think he contributed, but my dad became a little discouraged with the church and left. And so at 95, I'm thinking, I know this is what you said. So I would come down here periodically and pray and plan. And, and so, and, and this is a part of the story. A lot of people don't know. So I'm I'm communicating with a real estate guy, in the real estate department down there. And so I keep making offers. He keeps turning them down, making offers. He keeps turning them down. And, I got a funny feeling. I can't explain this to you. It's just the Holy Spirit. I guess I got a funny feeling like, Hey, something's not right here. So wh- one day while he was out to lunch, <laughs> conniving me, I sent a fax to him and his department head. And it said, you know, we're just, we just want to make this offer. We want you to know we're serious. We offered them 500,000. they'd already turned that down. So I offered 600,000. We want this building <clears throat> we need it desperately. And so immediately upon returning from lunch, he called me and he was controlled, livid. I could tell he was very unhappy with me. I said, bro, man, I'm just trying to help you out. Because he kept telling me, I'm giving him these offers and they're turning them down. So I just wanted to go straight to them to Mm -hmm. turn their down. And so the reality was he never gave them our offers ever. Because they accepted our offer in about 15 minutes. And I, I feel like the Holy Spirit said to me, hey, man, just get around this guy here. And when I did that, we were in the building in a a matter of just, you know, days, we got the keys and we began to start the work and man, what a month's of work it's been. So,
1: so at a half million dollars less than what they originally wanted. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Six acres, uh, 50,000 square feet. Uh, And you've seen the remodel. It's uh, still working on it, but man, God it's just incredible things. I mean, I can tell you so many stories, Dan, about how when we moved in, we didn't have anything to do anything with, but we spent in the first Maybe the first two years, a million and a half dollars, and never took any money out of our general fund. It just started happening. It's just like, what in the world? Look at this. And this happened. And, and just God just did it's, it's so, so many miracles. I can't even remember them all. It's so incredible. And um,
1: Wayne someplace. Hager Wayne is joining us. He's the pastor of Zion Family Ministries. I, I, w- I want you to tell me about a couple of those miracles uh, that, that you shared with me when I was there a couple of weeks ago. But there's one story even before that. Because wherever God is doing great work, there's always going to be resistance. The the devil is always going to always going to fight it. And and you told me a story uh, that happened while you were actually physically on your hands and knees building the stage in the sanctuary. Can you share that story?
0: Uh, So it was right at the beginning of Internet era, you know, and so all the boards are going up and people are you know, because then you didn't have Facebook or anything. You just had these post boards. And everybody found out we got the building. They were criticizing us everywhere, talking about losing tax base and all that because it's a church. And so we're in here building this massive stage and there's no no, um, HVAC in the building yet. We're soaked in sweat and and sawdust and some denominational people pulled up. They wouldn't get out of their car and they wouldn't come in the building, but they summoned me to come out. And so I got out there and they asked me to get in the car, which I felt uncomfortable because I was filthy and sure, I smelled great. And the first words, the very first words out of their mouth, literally, if I'd have been a, maybe, and I say a normal person, it would have taken the wind out of my sails. They said, what would you want with a building like this? Super critical, negative. I'm, I'm just stunned. I'm like, you drove all the way here and pulled me out of work and my men were in their work. And to say such a ridiculous thing, how could you be so critical? How could you have no vision? I just went off, not in a negative way. Say, want this building? I said, man, we're going God's gonna do great things. We're gonna believe God to build a ministry. I mean, I'm just. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it lying down. I'm gonna come back at you, and I was glad when they left.
1: So you, your Nehemiah moment,
0: <laughs> maybe maybe it was. Come uh, down off the wall. <laughs>
1: by By the way, have you heard from any of those folks since?
2: Has oh, any, has, has,
1: has, has, any, has But But even in the years since, after it became apparent that that you were doing what God wanted you to do. Did anybody ever who criticized you ever come back and say, I'm sorry, we were wrong?
0: Uh, unfortunately, no. You know, people who are critical, um, when you if you succeed, uh, I, I don't have any sour grapes or anything, but if you succeed, then they are angry because they weren't right. And they're certainly not going to come and humble themselves and say, you know, man, I was so wrong about what we felt about you or this or that or the other. And it's, it's sort of been a— uh, the realization that you think you're in a fleet of ships, but you're really just in your own boat. You're just doing what God's called you to do. And the support that you would hope would be there doesn't really exist. In fact, what you probably are going to get more than anything is criticism, which blows my mind. I don't even, I don't really even understand that, but I'm not bothered by it. I'm good. I'm good to go. You guys do what you do. I'm going to do the ministry. I'm going to love people. We're going to preach the gospel. I'm not going to be held back. By the criticism or the religiosity or the we do it this way kind of stuff, we're just going to preach the gospel.
1: How long did it take you to get to that point?
0: Well, I think God already had me there. First of all, I understood these people before they came. Secondly, I told you about you know being in South Carolina and being wounded in ministry. I really grew in that moment. It took me a minute, but God really opened my eyes in so many ways so that years ago— I, I became a person who did not function off the opinions of people. I respected people and elders, the eldership and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not going to live or die on what you think about me or what you say. And if you say something here, this is the thing God did to me, Dan. If you say something that is just horrendous, I'm going to consider that's you. And it really has nothing to do with me. Who would act this way? I mean, who would really pull up to a guy who's working himself in the ground? I even got sick. We worked so hard here and criticize what was going on in the heat of the moment. I mean, who would do that armchair quarterback, you know about that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible. So,
1: you also shared a couple of stories with me about the coffers being empty and, and, and wondering where, where the, the, the money was going to come from to keep going and, and, and God provided
0: hundred percent. Absolutely. So we, there was a faction of people who really didn't want me to have this church. And, and one of them, uh, felt they were called to be the pastor. So there was that, um, that ruffling in the mix all the time. And eventually it came to a head. And so we got this building. We, we did a lease purchase with Lowe's for $3,000 a month. I just give you the figures. And so none of that went toward principal. So on July 1st, we were, we were got a, a, a traditional mortgage. We're going to go to $5,500 a month. And the last Sunday of June, these people split our church and a hundred people walked out, not literally out of the service, but they never came and never came back. And of course they didn't keep them because they weren't called to ministry like they thought they were. And it's, uh, it became sad really for a lot of the family. So you can imagine we lost $150,000 of income in a moment. Plus our obligations went up, you know, uh, to $2,500. And so, wow. Okay. What are we going to do now? And it got to the point where we were just about to become insolvent. We sort of dipped into the building fund trying to hang on, we're just praying like crazy, Holy Spirit, God, we need something to happen. And I get a knock on the front door and they come in, it's Lowe's. Now, when when they let this building, they built a building across the road. Well, they're going to tear that one down and build another one. And they wanted to rent our parking lot, which was used to be where they kept all their lumber and all that. And I said, well, how much do you give me? They said, you know, 30000 for the year. I said, okay, I'm in. So that saved us. It brought us back. And so we were able to keep going and then. When they moved out, we got back to sort of a similar place again. You know, we're trudging through, fighting the enemy, and and a gas, a major gas company came and us the same contract. And between those two, we were able to get over that final hump and become, you know, independently, uh, financially supporting ourselves without any fears of insolvency. It was just a miracle. I mean, who knocks on your door and offers you $2,500 a month?
1: I need a couple of those
0: people. Amen. I, I get that. I, do. <laughs> I, I think there are a lot of people out there who could use some people like that. Yeah. You, you're building a ministry. And, and, and I just, I just know, here's what I know, Dan, here's what I know where God guides, he provides. I know it's an yeah. old statement, but it's still true because I knew God called to this, this, to this building and, and amongst all the criticism, all, all that stuff I knew in my nowhere. And I said, God, you're, you're going to do something to make this happen because I'm completely unable to do it.
1: And, and, And Wayne, I shared a little bit with you where we are now with this radio show and some of the challenges we're facing and and being in the infancy of Grand Slam Ministries. And I think the phraseology I used with you is I want that faucet wide open and the water just spewing out, and right now God's got it dripping, a drip at a time. But each one of those drips has met the need when it's been necessary. And my job is just to keep moving forward and trust and and that was your job, all those years ago. Even when it seemed the most ridiculous, unlikely thing to do, that's what God calls us to do. Sometimes,
0: Amen. Amen. And you know, and I found something out. I guess about God. I I found something out. You know, if we look in the Old Testament, they were building the tabernacle, and the people kept bringing stuff, kept bringing stuff until. The prophet of God said, Okay, that's it. We're good. We don't need anything else. But they weren't doing that the day before they started building the temple. They weren't piling up thousands of dollars of funds in a bank account somewhere saying, We're getting ready to build a temple. We're having fundraisers. So sometimes I believe that God will not bring you any more than you need for the moment until the moment you need something he's not bringing you. And so I've seen that so many times here. Like, you know, we're going, we're scooting along. Everybody's getting paid and we're making all the bills, but, you know, our coffers are not full. And I'm like, Okay, God, you know, you know, heat pump goes down, we're going to have a problem. We've got to, to beg for money or whatever, which I never do beg anyway. But, um, and then all of a sudden, just when something is needed, somebody gives us $50,000. And I was just like, $50,000? And because that's never happened in the history of the ministry. And it, it didn't need to happen because we weren't at a place where we, we we were doing okay without it. You know, God, God, we think God is uncomfortable if we don't have the, the premier of everything in our churches. But God says, hey, man. I got kids that are meeting under trees. You're you're doing great. So and then then that time comes when it's the next phase, the next season, the next step and then God just like overwhelms you and you just look around and go, "Man, I couldn't do anything but give credit to God."
1: And 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 then here's the other issue we're talking about in in building this this church, literally talking about the actual building itself, but also the people and and the church growth we're we're, we're talking about the finances it's taken to do all of this but you have to be careful you ha- you walk a fine line because you can't get focused on the money yeah. you you have you have to leave that to God your focus as a pastor has to be the people that you are shepherding the flock that you are charged with shepherding and and you you have to obviously be aware and cognizant and working on and taking care of the other things but your charge and I don't have to tell you this, you know this, your charge is the people who come in to that building every Sunday and every other day of the week that you have something going on. That's where God has placed his responsibility on you.
0: You know, I think a lot of pastors, this is the honest truth. I think a lot of pastors just don't trust people. They trust the banks or the debt more than they trust the, the people. And I, a long time, I mean, I'm, I've seen the television, you know, all the, the the manipulators manipulating people out of millions of dollars. We had one here and, the, and I mean, I, It's a long story, but I said, never again. And so a long time ago when I first became pastor, I I made a pledge in my heart. I'm never going to beg for money. And so when I get up on Sundays, I will let people know if we have an urgent need, but I will say thank you. Thank you for your gifts. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't even be here doing what we're doing. You've made that possible by your faithfulness to God. And I say, you know, if you're not at the level where you are giving yet, God would encourage you to do that. And I challenge you to seek the Lord and just put the trust on the people. And not manipulate or play games or do all these things that people do or or fear or all the you know the the uh controlling issues that people do. I, I just refuse to do it. I just say we're gonna have a ministry. If you want it, I'm gonna trust you to obey the Lord and give. And and people will surprise you. They'll they'll be obedient to God, they'll give, they'll be faithful. And um, and so that's that's where that's my philosophy ministry. Uh, I've never pushed, never. We did have a fundraiser one time. We had one of those professional guys come in and it was okay. Was, he wasn't, nothing uncomfortable, but, you know, people gave, but I just said, never again. I'm not, this is not where we are. It's not who we are. I'm going to say, people, here's the need. This is your church. Let's go. And, and they've been so, I'm just so proud of our people.
1: You, you know, when I was filling out the, the online form to send in for the 501c3 for Grand Slam Ministries, you had to put a title in. And, you know, so do you want to be the CEO? Do you want to be this, that, and the other? And after considering it for a little while, I chose steward. And, and and that's what I've got on my business cards. That's what I've got on, my, on the website. That's what I've got everything. Because ultimately, I believe that's what God has called me to do, is, is to be a steward of what He is going to, what He's already provided and what He's going to provide in what we're doing in this ministry. And and I find it hard, and part of it's my upbringing. I, uh, I, I spoke after speaking at, at your church at the prayer breakfast on Saturday. I spoke at our mutual friend Jimmy Watson's church at his Sunday morning service in Taswell the next day. And as I was toward the end of, of my talk, I, I was talking a bit about Grand Slam Ministries and, and some of our needs. And I said, you know, I, I'm just not comfortable standing up in church and going hard sell on Needing money, I said a lot of it is. You know, I, I'm, I'm think my dad's going to come in here and start flipping over tables like Jesus did in the <laughs> in, in the court of the temple because that was his mindset all those years when I was going to the church that he pastored back in West Virginia. I, I, I just I just I just can't go into all out sales mode. I just believe that God's going to provide for us, uh, and, and it's my job to be faithful but I I chose steward and and we're talking too much about money here anyway.
0: Um but letting people know and manipulating are two different yes. things. Yes. Yeah, you absolutely.
1: Can. You're you're absolutely correct. Wayne Hager is joining us here. What has happened at your church since the way God has blessed you in, in providing everything he provided to get the building to get the construction to do the remodel and everything that has done your faithfulness has now allowed you to turn around and be a blessing to your community. What, what I saw up there with your food ministry and with your clothing ministry is mind-blowing, especially for a place—and you know you're talking about my home area. I'm just across the mountain in Williamson, West Virginia. That's where I grew up. We're talking about a place that's pretty economically depressed right now mm-hmm. and, and ain't getting any better. What you guys are doing at that church, I mean, if there's any question that God is is, is lead, you know, is, is God blessing this? The answer is yes, because your food and clothing ministry to your community is just unbelievable.
0: Well, you know, I, I've become the uh, promoter of, let's see what God can do without money. Uh, and I tell you, I'm just, just amazed. Uh, no money at all. And so, so we got this big building, and we had a, a well-known minister in here once, and he came to me and said, you know, I just feel like this place is going to be a civic center have mercy. And what is it ever, you know? And so we started I I remember a lady who I didn't know showed up and said to me, Hey, would you like to have some clothes to distribute? We didn't have a clothing closet. We had some small things just for emergency time. I said, well, sure. Well, when she pulled up with a tractor and trailer full of 20,000 pounds of hundred pound bales of clothing, I was blown away. And we started giving those away, letting people know they were available and we're on our like sixth load I mean, what is that like? Two, three hundred thousand. No, don't
1: of- don't ask me to do math, Wayne. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, I'm good. All right, so. <laughs> I, I was good at math until they put the alphabet in it, and then I was done. So,
0: so God knew, you know what? What are you going to do with the Lowe's building? Well, apparently, we're going to distribute lots of stuff to people who need it. And so, so that started. So then, through that connection, which God just brought, no money now, no money, no money. Then then she would call and say, "Hey, do you do you, do you um." do you, would you guys want some furniture? I'm like, furniture, what do you mean? And so, so so some colleges emptying out their dorms, uh, to date in the last two years, no, this is not a brag. It's just a brag on God. We've given away 2000 or more beds. And when I say that, that's not an exaggeration, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dorm beds, bunk beds, furniture. I mean, literally they brought us complete hotels, complete hotels that emptied out and just blessed us. And we gave it to the community. We And now we got a precious lady working and she has connections in our community. And we blessed so many organizations that are trying to do what we're doing. And then out of the blue, somebody says, hey, we like to do a food distribution. So they pay a, a dealership, a car dealership pays every month for us to give out a tractor and trailer full of food. And then we get other calls, hey, would you guys want to give out some produce? And so now like once a week, we take a box truck that we bought because we had to have a box truck to give out uh, 175 boxes of produce and milk and yogurt. I mean, it's just crap. No money. No money. We had to build our dock back. We closed the dock in we built it. We had to build another loading dock. So many traction tires were coming. I mean, had, we, the Lord bless us with a, a forklift. Mm-hmm. Our forklift was garbage. And God says, here's your forklift. I mean, just amazing things that God has done. It's amazing. I stand in awe. <laughs>
1: and, and you should. And, and as I said at the beginning, the, the stories of, of these churches like yours that are thriving in your community. And, and, and I can't emphasize enough in, in an area of the country that for decades, even a even hundred years or more, was so dependent on the coal industry that has gone so far by the wayside now, the, the economic depravity. And, and it's not maybe as bad in Wise, Virginia, as it is in Williamson, West Virginia, but no, but the, 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 the economic issues there, and, and to see God blessing that, I, I think we, we need to make sure that people understand though that none of this happens, Wayne, if you're not faithful in sharing the gospel and what you're doing is about Christ and not about stuff.
0: Amen. And we, and we have people who abuse it. That happens, it's hard to do. But let, let, let's say a couple of things. So first of all, is, is that, you know, your motivation has got to be right to love people, to bless people, to give. We don't have, and I, we've never had wealthy people in our church. We, we don't have people that put in tens of thousands of dollars in our offering. We, we, we have those coal miners, those school teachers. We have, um, some people may be more well-to-do. Probably, you know, for years, never had a, a physician uh, uh, or, a, you know, somebody, because, you know, who were we? We are a bunch of people meeting in the Lowe's building. So that doesn't necessarily draw the upper echelon of culture. Right. And so we are, we are just, you know, people that are blue collar coming together, loving people. And I mean, the stories of people just coming to Christ, you're, you're handing them a, a bed for their kids and they're standing there just weeping because they are sleeping on the floor all the time happens all the time. And uh, the coal ministry, I mean, the coal, the coal business here is was huge. I would say at one point, Eighty-five percent of our people were in coal or coal-related industry
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because you know all the related industries stack up too, and then it just started to bottom out. And and so yeah, we're not building this in the middle of a large, successful, uh, you know, city with uh, culture and industry that just is incredible. We don't we don't have it. And, so, and so God has shown it doesn't matter. I'll take I'll, I'll do it as long as you're satisfied. Listen, here's the key. It's the key. As long as you're satisfied to do ministry with whatever you get. You know, because a lot of people, they say, well, if we don't have the best, we're not going to do it. And I'm like, hey, man, I'll dive in the dumpster. I don't care. It just let's do it. Let's make, We'll take it and make it. A lot of the construction that's been done in this building, especially early on, was all volunteers. I think about that that scripture in the Bible because the people had a mind to work. And, I mean, people just came out. And it's funny. I'll just say this. Some of the people who split the church said to me, I'm not called to clean commodes and do floors. I'm, I'm called to preach. I'm like, all right. And they left while we all worked. And uh, I'm just so proud of what God has done. I just I can't say enough, really. I'm probably saying too
1: much. No, no, I, I think it's great. And as you're talking, you, you talked about being satisfied, and my mind went to the Apostle Paul writing the words. I have learned to be content, and, and the yeah. key the key to me there is not content. The key is learned. Contentment is something that you have to learn to be. It's not necessarily something that comes natural to us.
0: Amen. Amen. And you know, a lot of times you think if, if anybody in in successful ministry in any cultural area that would come here and see what we're doing, they, you know, probably giggle behind their hand because we, we didn't have those tools, but it didn't matter. God still moved and people still got saved and the miracle stories were amazing. And so I think that we, we have at least somewhat learned that the focus can't be on the stuff it's just got to be on the ministry, and if you're faithful to love people, and you're you're faithful to to reach, bless them, pray for them, feed them if you can, do whatever you can do, then God's going to bless you. Give. Here's a principle, and it shall be given to you. Shall men not God give from their bosom to you? Press down, shaking together, running over. So God will cause people to respond and say, "Hey, you know, man, and I've had it happen." Walk in the door. You know, I was praying last night, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know your church or anybody. Here's five thousand dollars. This is like, whoa. Okay, where did that get? Left field. No, it just came from heaven. You know, God just has people who obey, and they bless.
1: And and then the other scripture I'm thinking of as you're talking, to whom much is given, much will be required. And, and God has blessed your church, and is requiring you then to turn around and be a blessing. To other people. And I've been able to see firsthand how faithful you've been to that. And, and and it's amazing how that works. If you are faithful with what he gives you, he will give you more to do what? To be faithful with again.
0: I'll tell you a story you don't know. It's a cool story. So early on, there's some ladies here started a rural ministry of, of, of uh, not in our church, but in the community of a health ministry. It's called the Health Wagon. So we, we accommodated them. We let it, We let all the community use our building. They, we wouldn't charge them money. They'd come in and, and be two, three, four hundred people here for a, a health event. You know, uh, teeth, mammograms, eyes, heart, all these things going on in our building. So somehow, this is how God works. It's so amazing. Somehow, 60 Minutes heard about them. And so they asked, can we do a 60 Minutes episode in your building? And I, I was a little like, because eh. I understand the people in New York might be not on our conservative le- place where we are as conservatively. but I, I just said okay, so we did it. So, and this is crazy. So the cameras are everywhere. They just re- took, turned a church upside down, and so they, they they did one clip. This is one one. This is a sentence. I'm standing here on the steps of Zion Family Ministries, and that's all they said about us. They didn't interview anybody, talk to anybody from our church. Thousands of dollars begin to roll in. It's, I, I just, I can't even tell you, people would find, and then they would replay it. So we get 5,000 here, 2,000 here, 1,000 there. Of course, all that dedicated toward benevolent ministry. And then they would replay the show. We're standing here on the Steps of Zion Family Ministries. And then they're gone. And again, the phone would begin to ring. The email would light up. Just incredible things just by this place, like that brother said, becoming a civic center for our community. And it, it's it's just amazed me. I sit back and just shake my head and go, this is, I mean, how can you tell all this? It's, it's unbelievable. God is faith. Where do you see the future of your church? Hmm. I don't know. Sometimes it's one day at a time. Sweet Jesus, you know, you're walking it through. I mean, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to have hopefully anointed worship. We're gonna we're going to come together and grow as families. Uh, we're we're going to um, reach our community. We're going to bless our community. And uh, raise our babies and just, you know, live our lives as Christians and as examples, I hope, to our community, bring people to Christ until the Lord returns, which doesn't seem really that far in the future. Uh, It might be sooner than than we might even think the Lord is coming.
1: Yeah, maybe before this episode actually airs. Who knows, right? (laughs) And, (laughs) and, and, And if he delays, I hope that this episode is a blessing to people. And I hope that they they get the message that we're trying to get across here that this is a church that was born out of incredibly humble beginnings. And while, if you're just casually listening, you hear a lot of talk about money, it's the fact that you weren't focusing on the money. And that's why God has blessed you with those resources that has enabled you to turn around and be such a blessing to a community that is economically depressed and is in dire need of that kind of blessing. It's that faithfulness that is the message to me.
0: I feel that thing where it's like God calls you to to do something that's impossible. I mean, okay, first of all, even if we got the building, this building, what in the world will we do with it? Where would we get the 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 thousands of dollars it would take to turn it into a place decent enough to be comfortable for worship? That was an impossibility. It was all by faith. I'm not bragging on myself. There's a picture hanging right here on the wall. You can't see, of a a lady was praying and she saw. She said, "I felt the Lord said we're circling the wagons and we're going to." So she found some picture of wagons in a circle, believing that we're going to do the things of God. I, I remember when I got the keys. It's funny but I did it on a Wednesday. I got the keys on a Wednesday. How weird is that? So I come in on Wednesday night and I hold, I hold up the keys. I say, folks, I got the keys to the kingdom. It's time to rise up and work. And man, what an amazing thing that God did just time after time, after time, uh, brother, I'll just be honest with you. Our check balance through the early years of this church was never enough to carry over any money to next week. Never. And sometimes we're like, biting our nails like come on so so we had nothing to do it with we we were called to do something that was impossible for us to be able to do impossible and God look what God has done look what the Lord has done as they sing you know
1: what is impossible for men is possible with God
0: testimony hands up
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wayne um give you a chance to uh, do a little bit of self-promotion here because besides uh, preaching there every, sunday you also do a daily podcast uh, so if folks want to tune into that and uh, check out what you do and find out more about zion family ministries how can they do that
0: well there's a couple we're on like six different locations now uh it's called the vital action years ago when uh, twitter came out with periscope i thought well i'll give this a shot really just kind of have heart of goofing off and it just exploded And so then they they got rid of that. So then you were able to broadcast on Facebook. So now we broadcast. It's a long story in four different Facebook locations. You can find us on our church page, on my personal page. The Vital Axiom has its own actual Facebook page. Now we're broadcasting starting last week on Twitter. Uh, We broadcast on YouTube. And here's the basic format. I'll take my Sunday sermon, right? We'll come in and say, hey, to y'all. And then I'll sing a little bit of worship song. Got a keyboard here. We'll worship for a few minutes. And then I'll break that message down over five days. And I have a lot of fun with that, and uh, they can come out and be friends with us. And if you don't like it, just tune away, or if you like it, come back when you can and uh, and just have a lot of fun. So
1: I hope you'll check out what Wayne does with his uh, video podcast. He's an old radio guy at heart, so he, he's got uh, a little bit of a knack for doing that kind of thing, and uh, it, it's really, really good. Thank you so much, Wayne Hager, for joining us and uh, sharing what is going on in the life of uh, your church there in Wise, Virginia, Zion Family Ministries. We're just going to go ahead and close it out from right here because we've only got about three minutes left. I just want to give you a a very, very quick update on what we talked about last week with our, our flagship station being sold and our last show on that station, which blankets the entire upstate and gets into four states uh, here in, in South Carolina and beyond our last show scheduled for October 22nd there. We have already had some initial conversations with some other places. Some of them have said no. Some of them have asked for way too much money. Uh, some of them are open to some negotiation. We are just trying to be faithful, uh, with where God wants us to be. And as I told one, uh, person this week, in a conversation. I take the steward in my title for Grand Slam Ministries very seriously, and we're going to make the best decision, the decision that God wants us to make. To that end, you can help. If this radio show has been a blessing to you, then we need your support. You can go to GrandSlamMinistries.org or DanscottShow.org, and there's a tab where you can click and make a donation, a one-time donation or a monthly donation. And you know our goal that we've talked about in recent weeks. We want to get to where we have 200 people giving $25 a month and another 200 giving $10 a month. And if we get that, we can do everything that we want to do as far as growing this radio show and start funding our core missions of mentorship and helping children. And, uh, you know, the, the uh, preachers who have been doing this for a long time, and I'm certainly no preacher, but they've written books and they've got all of these great resources they can offer you for donating to their ministries. I don't have any of that, but what we do have here at Grand Slam Ministries is a brand new, really nice bookmark that has our logo and a thank you on the front, and on the back it's got the 23rd sum. If you'll make a donation to Grand Slam Ministries online or via uh, a check, which you can find the address on our website, we will send you one of those bookmarks. We need your help. We need you to help us be able to make the right decision when it comes to where God wants us to move this show. Not just move it, but to grow it. We're thankful for the 12 affiliates that we will have remaining but we know that there is a larger audience awaiting and it's been that way from the beginning God is always going to grow this thing and it's just now a matter of where it's going to be it's no longer a matter of when because that time is coming within less than two months dan at DanscottShow.org. help us if you can we'll see you again next week until then God bless you so long everybody